everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. Uh, today, episode number 300 and something or other is the Castle of Lear. This is book three in the uh, Prudane Chronicles. Uh, so, yeah, we'll spoil this 50-year-old children's book for you <laughs> if that matters. But uh, that's what we're talking about today. I am Craig. I'll be hosting. Over there, we've got Ryan and Kyle, uh, to whom I am more allergic than I would be to the giant cat in this book. So. Hey guys! Hey, <laughs> what's up? That's that's as that's as insulty as I uh, feel like getting today. So don't worry, being here is insulting enough. Yeah, I think you've used that before. <laughs> have I? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe I have. It just feels so easy. Okay, Kyle, I need well, you to make so more of an you. effort. <laughs> okay, that'll work. That that works. Uh, very nice. So. Uh, before we get started, make sure you go to thelegendarium.com where you can find links to everything that I mention all the time. You can find links to Patreon. You can find links to Discord. You can find links to uh, past episodes. In fact, uh, thanks to one intrepid listener who's helping us out, we're actually getting the backlog going uh, on the website. So I, I haven't uploaded for a while on you know, like some of these uh, back catalog episodes and so he's helping me out with that and we much appreciate that so yeah go check out the legendarium.com all right so am i forgetting anything or should we kind of dive into this book no i think we're ready okay this could be a short episode honestly it's as we get into um as we get further into the perdane chronicles um it's like this this is definitely middle book syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, where there's there's not there there is stuff to talk about, but as far as the story of Pradane, I don't feel like a ton has been advanced, so we're not going to be like getting into, oh look at look at these events that happen. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like, yeah, it, I mean, it definitely felt like a palate cleanser story. Almost, because like we we leave off with the black cauldron and everything that goes on there, and you you feel like it's going to be a continuation, but then we kind of take a hard left turn and go with Elanwi getting uh, kidnapped, abducted, yeah. or like sent off and then getting kidnapped. And so it's like, <laughs> right. What right. you what you call? Well, you had a name for this episode or for this book, oh, right? I said this is very much the legendarium book of the series because it's just one hundred percent a tangent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that sounds about it's right. It's perfect. So, yeah, in this book, I guess a, a synopsis is in, is in order. So if people, uh, if you haven't read this book for a while, or if you haven't read it and you don't care and you just want to listen to the episode, essentially what happens is uh, the princess, Ilanwi, uh, has been living at Caradalben uh, with, with Taryn and Dalben and Cole and all the rest. Um, and she, it has been arranged for her to go to the Isle of Mona um in my memory this was her family apparently it's not it's some royal family in this island off the coast of of Perdane, and uh, they're going to educate her on how to be a, a young lady right she doesn't want to do this that sounds like torture for somebody like ilanwi and so she uh but but she agrees to it fine i'll do it and then i'm coming back here as soon as i can so they go off they get to the isle of mona they are in the castle for a chapter or two but then the evil chief steward uh, kidnaps her, takes her uh, to Queen Akron, who we met in the first book and who is not dead. Um, and Queen Akron is trying to use her to uh, to capture the magic uh, spells, the magic uh, that is inherent in this island, um, and use her to take over the world. 
meanwhile, Taryn and Co. are trying to find her and rescue her. Uh, and they have a lot of adventures along the way um, on the Isle of Mona, including meeting the giant cat that I referenced earlier and meeting the giant named Glue, which is a fantastic name. Um, Tremble before Glue is a, a, <laughs> a line that has stuck in my head since I was a kid. Um, anyway, so that yeah, they, they have some adventures. They finally catch up with Ilanwi. Her memory has been wiped by Queen Akron. And, um, and so she is now a threat to the companions until they find a way to break her out of it, which they do, and in so doing, break Queen Akron's powers, and the day is saved. So at the end of the book, um, the companions head back to Caradol Ben, uh, but Ilanwi does not go with them. She is going to stay and do what she was supposed to do, which was you know, have her education at this castle. So that's kind of where we left off. Did I miss anything important? No. Okay. No, don't think so. See, I don't even have to write my synopses anymore. <laughs> okay. Now they're not Ken quality. These these are not Ken quality synopses, but uh, they'll they'll suffice, I suppose. So, um, Kyle, what's up? You called this the uh, the Legendarium Tangent book of yeah. the series. How did you feel about it? Uh, and, and how did you feel about it? And do you even want to keep reading after this book? Yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying the stories. Just because it was a tangent doesn't mean that it wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I think I I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. We're This was kind of set up as the Alanwe book. Like, we're going to get into her story. Yeah. But did we? You know, we didn't. <laughs> uh, we did. Like, there's a couple of chapters where she's you know, talking. They talk about oh, we're going to train you as a princess. And you're going to get sent off. And then she effectively disappears for the rest of the book until like right. the final two chapters. And this book and this series is still all about Taryn, which is fine. Or Taryn or however. however I, I always say Taryn. Taryn. Yeah. And that's great. And I think the in adventures are enjoyable, but I don't feel like I got the story that I was told the story would be. Even if you read the back cover, it's all about Alanwi, but the right. story's not. Yeah, and, so and it's I kind, I, of, kind of put up there as I even said yeah. something at the end of the last episode that we did about how oh yeah you're gonna love it if you love Ilanwi mm -hmm. this is gonna be Ilanwi's book because in my memory it is and right. on the back cover it is and then I was like oh that's right right he's not even in this book because I would I would ask I'd throw the question out there to the two of you what did this book accomplish so I'm saying from a character arc perspective mm -hmm. or even a plot perspective where are we at at the at the end of this book compared to where we were at from the beginning of this book um the closest thing i would say to growth or development here is we know now the ilan we what her ceiling is where mm -hmm. she is what she is capable of in terms of her magic and as a princess because she's always kind of we have always known that she was a princess who was originally in the first book is that she was sent to be with Akron. We learned that's right. not the case. Mm -hmm. So, okay, she's a princess, but like, what what kind of princess? No, she's like last of her line. Like, mm -hmm. the whole reason why I think that this is, the common feeling is that this is the Ilanwi book is because you get information about her. You just don't develop her as a character because right. following her. You know a lot more about it there. Um, so I think the purpose of this whole book is, one, uh, from, from Ilanwi's perspective, is to showcase what her level is, I mm -hmm. guess, for lack of a better term, 
for Terran, it's to showcase that he's not backsliding um, into prior act. Like in this book, compared to the other ones, he just leads. He just mm-hmm. he does everything that he's done before. He just continues uh, to showcase his growth because we have another prince that joins this one. Like and we did not last time, we had Prince Adon, and you know it was he had to help uh, Terran to grow up a bit, mm-hmm. you know, and teach him these lessons about how to view things and everything. In this one, he's already learned that lesson. He's carrying with him, and now he has a prince who's an idiot. He's, is it kind of a, a role reversal? It's a role reversal setup. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's like, now you are the Adon in this story, mm-hmm. this. And so it doesn't feel like a lot of growth, but it's not It's not without purpose, I think, just along yeah, those lines. It is interesting, I think, in this book to kind of see the reaction of those around Terran to his growth. Where, yeah, we don't see a lot of growth in him a little bit in this book. I'm not, there's not none, but sure. uh, like he, he I, I guess, uh, as far as his growth, he comes to um, understand that somebody like Prince Run can have a lot of worth, even if that worth isn't to, you know, the furtherance of the quest that they're on. You know, like he's he's a hindrance to the quest. But that doesn't mean that he is a worthless person or that he's not uh, not not worthy of respect and love and all those things like mm-hmm. that so there is some growth there for Taryn uh, and I think that's a, frankly a really valuable lesson like for a real kid or a real grown-up in the real world to learn like just because that person isn't valuable to you right now in what you're doing in your personal quest doesn't mean they're not valuable yeah um, so I, th- I think that's a valuable lesson but anyway back to my other point which is that we get to see the the reaction of the others around him to what Taryn has become in the previous two books. Mm-hmm. And so even King Rudlam, these fantastic names, by the way, I just, I have to keep remarking on that. I love, <laughs> I love all these. They're hard to pronounce, but sometimes, um, but King Rudlam is like, Hey, look, yeah, I'm putting him in charge, but I've, I've heard of your, uh, exploits. I've seen you here in the castle. I understand you like, you're going to be, invaluable to him completing this uh, particular quest like it's kind of up to you yeah so like it's that. fun to see that i like that because it's it's almost like a showcase of of previous growth rather than a growth arc itself because mm. i was going to say when we get to the end of this book you know alan is like there's a lot of growth potential there to ryan's point we know what she can be and what she what she brings to the table as far as historic like historical relevance to mm-hmm. the larger world but Alan, we herself as a character, has only been kidnapped and now is going to go train to be a princess. So, like, at the first of the book, she was going to get sent off to be trained as a princess. And at the end of the book, she's going to stay and be trained as a princess. <laughs> you know, like, so anyways, but I like I like those points that you're making of, like, it's expanding the growth potential and it's showcasing previous growth for the characters. This book itself isn't necessarily a growth arc. Yeah. It also does one other thing. Um, the first book, the Terran and Island, we are both def- definitely kids. It's you know maybe a little bit older kids, but they're kids. Mm-hmm. And the next book, they've grown up a little bit more. This is the first time we're starting to introduce a little more adult reaction and specifically romance into their story. They've always had this kind of flirtatious thing going on. But they're basically kids. Yeah, so, they're basically kids. Yeah. But now we legitimately have to deal with Terran realizing that he has feelings for Ailanwi when he discovers that uh, Prince Ruin is the one who's supposed to be is 
or they're going to try and betroth Island Wee to him. Right. And he's like, oh, I, I'm not. I can't let that happen. I, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm, a, I'm an assistant pig keeper. I right, can't. Right. I, she's a princess. There's no way this is going to work. And, you know, even towards the end is, you know, the, the very final page is when he's like, yeah, and by the way, you know, the king and the queen, they're, they want to betroth you to the prince. And he, she's like, you idiot. You think I'm going to let that happen? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I swear every book ends that way with him saying something to her and her being like, you idiot. That's how they I'm all not end. speaking with you anymore. Yeah, I'm not speaking with you for Which, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a charming ending when yeah, she says, yeah. "Taren, Taren of Cardal Ben, I'm not speaking with you anymore for a little while." I, I, yeah, I think he he writes these characters very charmingly. Um, sorry, what were you what were you saying? It's the it's the beginning of real romance. Oh yeah, yeah. as compared to just cute flirtation, like. You're going to have to figure out how Taryn and Island we can be together at the end of this children's story, mm-hmm. or why they're not going to. Yeah, which uh, it, it does. I'll, I'll set up the next book for you and for anybody else who uh, is planning to read it. But uh, the next book is essentially Taryn realizes, oh my gosh, I'm in love with Ilanwi. She's a princess. I need to figure out who I am. So he goes on a quest to find his parentage, uh, to understand who he is. Um, it's in my recollection, I reserve the right to change my mind on this, but in, in my <laughs> recollection, it's the most meaningful book in the series, Terran Wanderer. But we'll get there in a bit. But yeah, it's all going to be about Terran's uh, journey to find himself. Um, anyway, I, one thought that I had about Ilanwi's character and, and how she's treated in this book and, and how I thought it was about her and everybody the back of the cover thinks it's about her, but it's not. I wonder, as you were talking, the thought occurred to me if um, if Lloyd Alexander was actually being pretty smart about this, where if he had tried to write a book from a teenage girl's perspective, he could have been lit up over it. Or, you know, like maybe he just felt like maybe he even tried to write the Ilanwi book. And he's like, you know what? I, I'm not in the head of this 17-year-old girl. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. Um, and so let's let's go a different direction. I could see something like that uh, that would be smarter than trying to trying to write something uh, falsely that he couldn't quite grasp. I don't know. I I could be wrong. I'm I, just postulating. I, I mean, I could see it. I don't see that being a thing of the time. Like nowadays, yeah, it makes absolute sense. You know, the potential of being lit up about writing a character that you don't understand. Um, That's 50, true, 50 yeah. years ago not so much <laughs> but I, I think the thing is like for him and this the story has always been about Taryn and his journey and things like that but he had to establish some things between uh, in terms of uh, who Ilanui is and specifically expanding the world and its magic and, and those things because that's um, she's had this bobble for two books mm-hmm. and it's just been a bobble that's just the whole thing it is and now we realize that it's a blurdiverdiver um, <laughs> I'm sorry. What a fleur de vertebra! I, I don't remember what it actually was. A pal- palindir, I'm trying not to say palantir because that's something. Like <laughs> something yeah, like there that. is a there, the the pelin the pelin palindrome. Yeah, the palindrome. Yeah. It's got to be in the back in the pronunciation guide, right? It's in there. Perdary? No, Perdary. no, that's that's the people who came over. It uh, doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, she's anyway. had the bobble. So we have that. We have the the magic book that has all the spells in it. It's with glue. Like we're we're getting a chance to see the the magic in here, which is not something we've dealt with outside of the Black Cauldron and the like the three fates. The brooch. 
Yeah, there's there's been a couple of magical elements, but nothing that has been really heavily there's magic no, oriented. There's no spells. There's no yeah. yeah. Like the the moment when brainwashed Ilanwi uh, kind of crooks her finger at Gurgi. Yeah, and and he, and he yeah, kind of like Cruciatus curses him. Um, yeah, like so that's that that's like a spell. It's a thing. It's a mm-hmm. magic thing that somebody did with their hands. Uh, and so yeah, we haven't really seen much of that. Yeah. So now now that that's been introduced, like we have a potential also to see. We we also still have we have this. It is not dealt with in this at all. We deal with Ocarin only. Pretty mm. much, she is our villain in this one, along with her little minion, the spider, um, mag, 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 mog, mag, whatever. Yeah. Um. Oh man, my that train just crashed hard. Oh yeah, trying <laughs> to figure. Out. Well, let's talk about villains a little bit because that was uh, one of the big differences as far as expanding the world, where it's all been about Aran Deathlord. But he's he's much like Sauron. He's off in the distance. We don't see him. We just kind of hear that he's he's pulling strings and puppet mastering behind the scenes and all that stuff. And now um, we have a much more face to face villain who is not that. And in mm-hmm. fact, she wants to depose him. She's our Sauron or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, we do we do get a little bit different uh, different bad guy. But like you said earlier about the magic, this expands the world. Um, we're in a different location. Um, yeah, like we're not in Perdane. I mean, I don't know if it technically is part of it. Whatever. I mean, the Care Calor was part of Perdane and floated off. Right. Right. Like we get a sense of the history of how long this has been since it it's been broken off and floated away from from the island it's, or from the the mainland itself. Right. Anyway, so yeah, I, I think um, yeah, the whole thing if if it serves no other purpose, it is an expansion of the world in a dozen different ways. Right. Let me throw this out. Did Lloyd Alexander just write the same book twice mm. from the Book of Three? No. A little bit. I mean, no. <laughs> okay, what do you mean? I mean, if you zoom out kind of okay. plot-wise and you just kind of swap Henwen and Elanwi, it's basically the same form of story, right? Sure. It's a quest. Well, it's a quest, but like... Even so far as to where they end up going, though, there's a lot of <laughs> really strong parallels because uh, pretty much every book, that at some point they end up in a dark cavern somewhere, trapped for a little while, mm. whether or you know whether it's the fairy folk or it's uh, the grumpy tree guy. Uh, from He's the, not a tree. <laughs> he is a tree. He's a tree guy. He's our ent. You know, uh, this one, there's that. Um there are there's a, a dangerous creature that's introduced in everyone. We have the Gwithaint, uh, um, then we have the Huntsman group, and then in this one we have Lion. Which yeah. L L or L H Y A N something. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Spelled like Lion. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently the Welsh and uh, the, Utah names just like to over you know, use a whole bunch of extra consonants and vowels. This is a things. joke. This is a joke that will go over so many heads. Oh but, yes. Oh, if only you knew the naming conventions here in Utah. Yeah, just go look up, you know, words like Michaela or anything like that or Absidy. Which one? Which yeah. one? Michaela, Basically, yeah. Is that Michaela with an I to describe or a Y it, or an E or two L's? The way that or? people spell names in Utah is like when you're doing swipe text, but you just keep all the letters in between the letters that you're trying to get to. And so that's just how you spell your children's name in Utah. Oh, that's so good. Accurate. Accurate. <laughs> Oh man, it hurts! It hurts so much. <laughs> so where were we? To the point of is it the exact? Is it the same book? No, not exactly. But there are some very 
consistent elements in the quest that happen about the same time in the quest as well mm-hmm. yeah. for each of the books so which, far. Which yeah. I think lends to the point of like, is this the filler book or is this the palate cleanser book or whatever? It just feels, it feels really, really familiar, mm-hmm. even though it, it is different. They're telling a different story and they're expanding the world, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it moves you very much more forward in the story because it feels almost like a rehash of the book of three sure. in a lot of ways. And, and let me, so I, I'm happy to accept that. I think that's a perfectly valid point, but let me throw this out there. Remember, this is a kid's book. Sure. Um, we're not. Didn't say it was bad. R- right. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, this is a kid's book. It's not meant to break new ground. It's not meant to like be this earth shattering revelation of a story. This is a children's book, and children, I mean, we all do, but especially as kids, we learn by repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does a quest look like? What are the steps? What are the, the obstacles? Um, you know, what are we trying to gain or lose, you know, in some cases? What are we trying to gain from our quest? Um, and, and so having that, the repetitious nature of the quest story in three books in a row uh, is, I think, valuable in a children's series. So it may wear a little bit thin for us as adults at times. Um, and I, again, I think that's perfectly valid, but I, I guess I, I, I don't see it as a fault with the book no. that is meant for children. No, and I don't see it as a fault with the book at all necessarily. I just, I think my point was, as I was reading through, there were a lot more parallels to the structure and the way I read book the book of three as this story unfolded, I was like, Oh, that's basically the same thing that happened in the book of three. Yeah. And so I just thought it was an interesting uh, parallel. Cause I don't think it was the same. Yes. The black cauldron is still a quest story, but I don't feel like the black cauldron felt as overlaid as. No, these no, two I agree. Do. Yeah, I agree. But I would, the, the only argument I would make, and it's not, again, it's not to say that it's bad or anything. It's that some of the elements aren't just similar beats. They are they are almost too similar because uh, it's not just this is an obstacle in a quest. It's that the resolution is the exact same. So how do you destroy the Black Cauldron? A person must knowingly sacrifice themselves. How do they escape from glue? He says, one of you must know, must sacrifice yourself so that I can build my potion. Mm. And so like it's elements like that where it's like that is the exact same thing in the same beat. Like that scene... I want something a little bit more varied in that. Now they end up resolving differently in Black Cauldron. You have the self-centered prince throws himself in as a redemption piece. In this case, the stupid prince says, "Hey, I'll sacrifice myself." And they say, "No, go." And they throw him up the the cheerleader him out of the the little crack in the the floor. And then he comes back in with the bobble and and wins it. But mm-hmm. the that initial sacrifice was the exact same. And to me, that's where I would like to, where I could say even in a children's book. You could do something different, but... But I'd say even... I mean, I really like the way that you've kind of painted that picture for us because I think to Craig's earlier point, I like that there's a repetition that it's the same, but the outcome is different because I think that in and of itself is very helpful to young readers to see that there are different ways of resolving and like the choices that are made by the characters will ultimately... uh, become the result of whatever that is right mm-hmm. so i like i like that yeah i'm i'm all right with the repetition should we talk about a few specific plot points in this book for instance glue 
we've mentioned glue, tremble before glue. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, for those who don't recall or don't care, uh, glue is a very small man, uh, but he not only in body, but in spirit, he's a very small man. Um, and he has tried a few different ways to, um, uh, over the years, he's tried a few different ways to differentiate himself, to make a name for himself. Um, and finally he decides I'm going to be a wizard. And so he finds a book of spells, or at least what he was told was a book of spells. And he's concocting potions to do different things. He concocts a potion to, to make himself bigger, but it works too well. He becomes a giant, um, but he was testing it on his cat. Uh, his cat lion and so lion becomes huge uh you know the size of a horse this house cat the size of a horse which i love because i I love cats i'm a cat guy uh so you wouldn't love your cat if it was the size of a horse (laughs) Uh, yeah maybe we can come back to that but (laughs) so he uh craig just got a siberian tiger for his pet it's fine (laughs) so um so anyway the cat chased him into a cave uh where he kept growing and he couldn't escape the cave so now it's glue's cavern and Taryn and his companions are stuck in there with him. Um, it's I, like a reverse golem. That's true. <laughs> Instead of wasting away, he gets bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, as an adult, <laughs> and I had to like, I had to tamp this part of me down, which isn't that hard, honestly, but I did have to tamp it down. The part of me that said, what's he living on? Mushrooms ain't going to cut it. You're going to be burning so many calories if you're that size. You know, anyway. So, anyway. So, you you just let stuff, stuff like that go. Uh, the, uh, the pig-sized kittens that are coming from his horse-sized cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cat's not stuck in there with him, luckily. Um, so, anyway. what Kind of similar to what we were talking about last time with the Black Cauldron when we, we got to the marshes of Morva. And I said, this is this is the scene in my head that takes up the whole book. Uh, It's like the only thing I remember. Glue's Cavern is that for me with the Castle of Lear. It's so um, fun and dramatic and quirky and bizarre. And he's such a, just an interesting character. Uh, What did you guys think of the scene? Do you you have any thoughts on it? I mean, nothing that's, nothing that we haven't already kind of mentioned. I, I thought the, the visualization of this guy that was growing and too big to get out. I really like that concept. Yeah. And so it made for an interesting, yeah. The, the thing I really like about it, um, uh, there's a, a point at which you realize that he, like I said, he's a small man. And I, th- I think Fluter even makes a point uh, of this at some point in the story where he says like, he may be big, but he's still an awfully small guy. You know, we, we talk, what was it? Small man syndrome or, uh, whatever yeah, where you overcompensate mm-hmm. um and glue is that way where he's he's an overcompensator and we we get a lot of that through um fluter specifically fluter cannot stop calling him a little man right and he just made he makes a major point of it that your physical size and your stature as a person in personality are two separate things completely and which is actually kind of funny coming from fluter who is a king traveling as a bar <laughs> that's true like, i mean Fluter is a, he potentially could be a very big person, but he's chosen to be a smaller person with a big personality on, on his uh, journey out there. One of those things, maybe a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black a little bit. Mm, interesting. I hadn't even thought of it from that angle. Um, but the, the, yeah, that is a good point. The thing that I kept thinking of was that uh, just because he's 
grown in size doesn't mean he's grown in character. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a this is a real thing. Where as I was reading, I was kind of thinking about um, like his size didn't change who he is. And I think that's a valuable lesson in the real world. Once again, where it's like, look, whatever whatever the thing is that you're after. So for glue, it was I want to be bigger. Um, you know, maybe you want to be rich. Uh, you you want to be thinner. You want to you want to travel. I want to see the world because then I'll understand it. No, no, you won't. Like you need to you need to be the person you want to be, and then whatever changes come, like you can incorporate those into that person that you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I in fact it reminds me of um, a few years ago. I was I I <laughs> I don't know how I got into this conversation, but I was listening to uh, two friends of mine, two women talk about potential plastic surgery, uh, like in their futures or in their present. And one of them was like, well, you know, I want to change this about myself. And, um, and you know, I really feel like it'll make me happier if I look this way or if I, you know, it'll, it'll help me with my self-esteem. And the other friend, uh, believe me, I wasn't touching this conversation with a 10-foot pole, but, but it was very fascinating to listen to. Where the other friend said, look, if you're not happy with the way you look in that aspect now, like this isn't going to help. You need to come to terms with who you are and how you look. And then like and then it could be a good idea to make changes. But if you're doing it to feel better about yourself, it's not going to work, um, if, if that makes sense. And I'm, I'm horribly paraphrasing this very eloquent uh, conversation that that these uh, two women were having um with this uh big group of us but yeah it was a very interesting conversation and i kept thinking of that as glue was like ah, i'm gonna be bigger and then i'll be a better person no you won't mm-hmm. so, i don't know so i like that scene anything else from the book jump out to you guys um i i think it's interesting throughout the whole series so far um Gwydion continues to be you could write an entire side story of everything that Gwydion's doing while Terran is out on his journeys. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could do the, you know, the, the Chronicles of Perdane, but the Gwydion tales and do full adult novels because this whole book, he's been out high, like, acting like he's a cobbler and just trying to be hidden as he's trying to do all these things on the side. Like, I, I kind of want that storyline <laughs> right. now. Because in every book he's come in, and he's not, for being the high prince of this whole realm and everything, like, he sure seems to have a lot of adventure time to do. Hey, exactly. like, I was just going to say, a lot of time on his hands. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I like that as an illustration of well-written characters when you want more. Um, but I'm actually kind of glad that we don't have more because I think that that's... And this will get off into another tangent. That's uh, us. <laughs> what? Uh, I think that's something that we that today's media uh, suffers from is we get a well-written character and some of that is that there's mystery. There's like, I want to know more about this person and we flesh it out in a, in a spin-off novel mm-hmm. or we flesh it out in a Netflix series or whatever it is. And then it's not as good as like, I don't know, it, or it just falls flat. And so one, I think you didn't like the series, Joey, did you, you know, <laughs> it, it had its faults. <laughs> um, but I think it's 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 a marker of a an author who can write characters well when you identify somebody like that, like a Gwydion or you say or like the the Matt Cawthons of I want to know more about what his adventures after this mm-hmm. are gonna be because I'm really attached to this character. So No, I 
100% agree with that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, let's see, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, the concept of an oath. This happens at the beginning of the book when the king charges Taryn to take care of uh, Prince Prince Run, um, and he makes Taryn swear an oath that that he will do anything he anything within his power to make sure that Prince Run comes back alive. Um, I, I, if I recall correctly, that's essentially yeah, the basically. oath. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um i know ryan and i we've talked about this on previous episodes i can't remember in which episodes or what the context was but this idea of the the lost uh art (laughs) the lost art of the oath Mm -hmm. um where we we don't take things like that seriously in our modern world that's great you gave me your word now give me your signature on this piece of paper yeah which you know i i I am not against contracts i think contracts are a great way to (laughs) help us enforce our oaths i guess I'm just thinking more of like, uh, you know, within ourselves, do we take our oaths mm-hmm. seriously? And it was, uh, I liked that that was one thing that Taryn showed in this book that he hasn't really shown in previous books because he hadn't had to uh, in the same way where he says, no, I gave my word and that's that. And then there was there was a moment where uh, he's talking to Gwydion at the end of the book and he says as much, he's, he says, of course I went after Prince Run, I, I had given my oath. Um, and Gwydion says, if you hadn't, would you still have gone after him? And he says, well, yeah. <laughs> See, Taryn, you're a good person, you know. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, find, I found myself highlighting that passage in the book and going, I, I love this concept. Yeah, I have two thoughts on that. One is, does the fact that he gave his oath change that scene where, where Run wants to sacrifice himself to allow Glue to finish his potion does that does that sway Taryn's actions in that moment of them trying to convince him not to right. is it because of the oath or is it because he it's the right thing to do like no don't sacrifice yourself so that's an interesting question to me and then the other thing I think to your point about like oaths in in modern day or whatever I mean the oath is usually an oath I should say is usually something larger you know, it's a life or death thing or mm-hmm. it's a, but I think to your point, when you look at it on more of a micro scale, you know, like a day to day, like a day to day, like, did you say you were going to show up on time or did you say you were going to send this thing or, or meet with this person or whatever? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's where it absolutely has kind of lost some of its, some of our integrity as a society where we're saying. I, I told you I was going to do this thing and we didn't do it. I know I've done it a few times with the podcast where we'll say like, yeah, we're going to read this book and we're going to record. And then it's like, I didn't do the reading and I didn't finish right. it and I didn't fulfill my end of it. And it's, it's a reading and it's the podcast. It's not like I said, I'll come pick you up so you don't die somewhere. <laughs> but at the same time, that's, that's where I think we've, we've really lost our sense of integrity as a society yeah this i I feel like this is another thing that ryan and i have talked about in the past um the uh, like how do you define friendship you know you can define friendship in any number of ways uh but over the years uh the word that i've come the most to use in regards to friendship is reliability Mm -hmm. and the, the way we often say that the formulation we have is well yeah you know they're always there for you and mm-hmm. it's kind of a cliched line, but it means something. And right. I think it's getting at what you're talking about, where a friend will do what they 
said they were going to do for you. They're going to be there for you, yep. you know, and that's what makes. Um, and so in this story, getting back to uh, Perdane, that's what makes the relationship between all the companions what it is, is that they even if they didn't swear an oath audibly like he does with the king, um, there's still this sense of uh, like, I'm tied to you, I'm your friend, and that means something. That means, no, I'm not going to abandon you. I I will be there. I, I will protect you. I, you know, whatever the the case may be at the moment. So, I don't know. Ryan, you don't look very contemplative, so we're going to move on. <laughs> All right. So, uh, last thing, I, I think maybe we should end on Princess Ilanwi again, um, since we, you know, we started with her and she's, it, hey, this is her book, right? So, sure. so we end with Princess Ilanwi. Um, how do you guys feel like he has done with the um, damsel in distress trope? Because uh, in this book, as you say, she takes the, uh, she takes the place of the pig. Um, so they're off to save <laughs> Ilon. We, you know, so it's very much like, uh, you know, Mario's got to save Princess Peach or uh, uh, Link's got to save. Exact uh, thing came to mind as I was reading this. It's yeah. like she's just Princess Peach at this point. <laughs> so, but is she? That's my question is, um, it, does he do a good enough job in your mind at, at um, not necessarily upending, but at least tweaking the damsel in distress trope for you? Yes. Because if she wasn't, the, the way that this would be Princess Peach is if Princess Peach all of a sudden turned around and lit Bowser on fire. <laughs> um, that's the one thing about this. In the past, she has been a bit more of a damsel in distress. Or, no, I can't even say that in the past because she's the one who's like chased Terran down to bring him, like grabbed the sword and gone out, af gone out after them as they've been chasing it. So I think as a character, she this is the first time that I actually think that she does fit the damsel in distress uh, mold yeah. until the very end when it's she has the Peladur, the Peladur, Golden Peladur. Spell it, spell it. Did uh, you find it? I, it's a chapter heading, so. Uh, okay. <laughs> it is Peladrin. Peladrin. Yeah, Peladrin. P-E-L-Y-D-R-Y-N. Peladrin, yeah, let's go. It's the wise that throw you. You know, it's the wise. Damn Welsh. Yeah, so she takes her Peladrin and the spell book and actually breaks Ocarin's spell over herself because... Nobody else, Terran, Gwydion, nobody else is able to do it for her. Mm -hmm. It's not until she takes the power and then she starts reading and, and kind of comes into herself that she's able to break Ocarin's spell and then light the book on fire and beat everybody. Like, it, it's kind of a, it goes back to a point earlier in the book when she doesn't have the bobble, they have the bobble and they're using it to find their way through Glue's cavern and they can't make it work at first and then they figure out that the way to make it work is by thinking about someone other than yourself. So by having a selfless attitude, you can make the bobble work and light up. Um, and so that was, uh, it's not explicit at the end of the book, but that's where my mind went, was that she got it and Akron's spell was essentially making her selfish. Like, I have all this power, I'm the rightful heir of Kerkalur, I, you know, I am going to be a powerful enchantress, et cetera, et cetera, and that kind of um, keeps the spell on her, but the bobble uh, reminds her uh, to think of other people, and that breaks the spell. Something mm -hmm. along those lines. Yeah, I really like yeah, that I moment. I feel torn on this question, to be honest, of, yeah. of whether or not Lloyd Alexander does a good job of 
turning the damsel in distress with like in with regards to Elanwi because I think from a character perspective I agree with what Ryan's saying I think that Elanwi herself isn't necessarily a damsel in distress she ends up figuring out how to mm. save herself but structurally the way that the story is told and put together I don't know that Lord Alexander has done a good job of turning the damsel in distress trope around enough and right. giving Elanwi enough of enough screen time or enough uh, motivation that we, the, we, the reader get to interact mm -hmm. with in order to confidently say that he's done a great job of that. I do think that it's pushing towards that. And I think that her character um, is, is not a princess peach necessarily uh, because we see that as evidence. Um, but I don't know that structurally we get that in the story. And I don't know that we could, um, as I'm thinking about this, as you're talking about it, I don't recall over three books that we've ever had a point of view that wasn't Taryn. Right. Right? Right. So it's a bit like Harry Potter in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, with the exception of a couple chapters here and there in Harry Potter, it's almost entirely his point of view. And so from his point of view, Ilanwi was there. He was trying to protect her. She's gone. And they mm -hmm. need to rescue her. Um we, and then we learn at the end of the book that it was that she she put up a fight. You know, she, what does she say? Mag's shins will be uh, black, black and blue, blue for a long mm -hmm. time for the fight she put up. And, uh, you know, it, she but she was trapped. She couldn't do anything about it. She got put under Akron's spell. Um, and so it did take the intervention of the companions. And so in that way, it is a damsel in distress. But it's not. It, so it's not like she didn't have agency. It's not like she wasn't putting up a fight or wasn't making sure. uh, her decisions. They're just happening off screen because of the way these books are structured mm -hmm. ent entirely from Taryn's point of view. So I guess I'm not sure that we could have had it any other way and still have her be the one in danger, if that makes sense. So to, to have this story happen, like he could have told a different story and just not done the damsel in distress thing at all. Sure. But he at least gives you a little bit at the end to to show like. But I think to your point, like at the very end, the companionship still had like the companions still had to be there to ultimately rescue her and get right. her out of that situation. Even though Alonwi was able to put up a fight or whatever, like if you get to that resolution and Alonwi has solved the problem by the time the companionship gets there then she's not a damsel in distress. She didn't need them to intervene. Right. Right. So there is, that's where, that's where I think it's and almost it, there. It, it, and it doesn't point, have to tip the scale. At that point though, like if that, if the story had gone down that way, it would be very much like um, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, you guys mm -hmm. know the famous formulation where if you lift Indiana Jones out of the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark, it has no effect on the outcome of the story. Right. Uh, where it's like, okay, so we could have gone through this whole book and then they get to Karakalur and Ilanwi walks out and she's like, don't worry, I broke the spell. Let's go home. Um, like, yeah, then she would be a badass and that would be a lot of fun, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I guess what I like about it is, again, it kind of intertwines the companions. They all need each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. Sure. I don't I don't mind that she needs their help. So they essentially they don't end up breaking the spell like Ryan said. Or was that you that said that? Maybe. <laughs> Some, somebody <laughs> said it. Uh she what was it? Yeah, they can't break the spell, but they were able kind of by accident because this is the Perdane Chronicles. 
they were able to help put her in a position to save herself. They uh, brought the tools back that she had to have. Yeah. Because she needed the bobble uh, and the book to be able to develop enough power to do that. So in that sense, they brought they brought the pieces in, and then they're them being there kind of was the piece that connected her back to them because she was talking about the dream she was having before where she could remember her time at Caradalben in dreams but nothing else until Taryn's like that really happened whatever so it's one of those things like I think that they had to be there to be this for the spark but that's all they were she was everything else right and that's why I'm okay still saying that it's not damsel in distress yeah Fair enough. Like I said, I'm kind of torn on it because I don't know that it... I don't know that that explanation totally does it for me, but I also don't know that it doesn't. <laughs> so, well go. said, Kyle. You know, yeah. perfect, perfectly articulated. <laughs> That's what we're here for, right? Shall we uh, Shall we call it for today? Um, I, I do have one funny line. I, he wrote some funny lines in this book, and maybe we can end on that unless you guys have any final thoughts. Uh, that I had you, one. That you want to go over? I had one, and it was just a final quote from the. Honestly, it was the very last page, but it's when Ilan we talks. She's kind of telling Taryn that he's dumb, you know, like you really <laughs> as she does, gonna, you know. But I really liked this line. Uh, There's limits to having people make up your mind for you. Ooh, nice. And I thought that that was really poignant in that situation, but also just for the general reader. Like, at a certain point, you've got to. You got to do you, as they say, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, I like, I like that a lot. And I like the flip side of it also, which is that sometimes, like up to a certain point, yeah, we we can rely on the wisdom of others. You know, mm-hmm. when we're a kid, it's our parents or our teachers, and you know, when you're grown, it's still probably your parents or you know, maybe it's your boss or your colleagues or whatever, uh, your friends. Um, it's okay to rely on the wisdom of others up to a certain point, and but you have to be able and willing to step in and make your own choices at a certain point. There's there's a limit. Um, anyway, yeah, I like that one. How about this one? This is just a funny line uh, when they're uh, he Taryn tells Ilanwi she's not to leave the castle. You are you're in danger here. You're not to leave the castle. <laughs> she says, uh, "What did you say? Not leave the castle, Taryn of Caradol Ben. I think the salt air must have pickled your wits." And I read that and just had a good chuckle. And what a way with words this guy has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that line a lot. The other one was when in in Glue's cavern um, when he says, uh, <clears throat> uh, Taryn gasped in horror, you mean to kill one of us? And Glue, uh, it sounded as though Glue's feelings had been hurt. You make it sound so, so raw. And Fluter says, great, but Lynn, let me get my hands on your scrawny neck and I'll make you sound raw. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just the humor in these books continues to, to get me. It's not sophisticated. It's not complicated. It's just fun. And he has a way with words that I enjoy. So yeah. there you go. Uh, cool. Shall we uh, call it? You guys have yep. anything else? No. Okay. Um, as I said before, I, as, as far as I can remember... We, we all know how well I remembered this book, but as far as I can remember, Terran Wanderer is the most meaningful book in the series, and I think we'll have some interesting things to say about it. It's the Gurgi book. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's the Gurgi book called Terran Wanderer. Yes, exactly. So, 
Uh, yeah, so we'll be back with that one uh, in a couple weeks. And until then, I hope you guys, I hope people who are listening have picked up the series. Um, if you were sitting on the fence about it, it's definitely worth a read. They're lots of fun. They're poignant in places and uh, um, adventurous in Tangential others. Tangential in others. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> anyway, so thanks everybody for listening. Make sure you go to thelegendarium.com for all those links I mentioned earlier. Um, what um, Anything that we have coming up, we're going to be doing some Wheel of Time content when the show comes out next month. Um, and we should do something on Dune, but we haven't yet. Maybe we will. I think we missed the boat because that came out three days ago. So, Yeah, and the, absolutely nothing we have to say will have any value beyond three days. Yeah, exactly. That is actually true. So, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time.